Ashley Brock reading Dolores Fawson's book, CAD, Chapter 6. Bree woke up to the sound of voices, voices that she didn't immediately recognize. She reached for a gun and phone, not there, and an uneasy sense of deja vu slammed through her. She sprang from the bed, her feet ready to start running. When they landed on the thickly carpeted floor, Bree stopped cold. Where the heck was she, and why hadn't there been a gun on the nightstand? She glanced around the massive sun-washed bedroom, decorated in rarity, varying shades of blue and gray, the king-sized bed, the antique pine furniture, and it took her a moment to remember that she was at the Ryland Ranch in Silver Creek. More specifically, she'd been in Cad's bed. She looked around again, first in the bathroom through the open door, then the massive dressing room. No sign of Cad. So she'd been in that bed, alone, and was apparently safe and sound since she had slept hard and long. After the ordeal she'd been through, she was thankful for that. Well, maybe. She was thankful if she hadn't missed anything important, which was possible. After all... Leah was in her life now, and Cad and she were in the middle of a full-scale investigation. Yes, the potential for missing something important was sky-high, and she had to find Cad. After she got dressed, that is, Bree glanced down at the pink cotton PJs. They weren't familiar either, but she did remember the doctor helped her change into them before he insisted that she sleep off the effects of the drugs her kidnapper had given her. She hadn't had a choice about that sleep either. The fatigue and drugs had mixed with the adrenaline crash, and Bree hadn't been able to keep her eyes open at the end of the exam the doctor had given her. Another glance, this time at the clock on the nightstand. Oh, jeesh! It was nine, and she doubted that was p.m. because light was peeking through the curtains. It was nine in the morning, and that meant she'd been asleep at the ranch for heaven knows how many hours. Not good. She was certain she had plenty of things to do, but first she needed to locate some clothes, the source of those voices, and then see if she could scrounge up a phone and a strong cup of black coffee to clear the rest of the cobwebs from her head. She hurried to the bathroom to wash up, but since she couldn't find a change of clothes, Bree gave up on the notion of getting dressed, and instead she headed to the sitting room where the girly pink wearing the girly pink PJs. She prayed nothing was wrong, and that's why Cad had let her sleep so long. Too bad the thoughts of ugly scenarios kept going through her mind. Bree threw open the door and separated that separated the rooms in the suite and saw Cad. That was one voice. He was holding Leah and talking to someone. The other voice belonged to an attractive brunette that had her arm slung around Cad's waist. The pang of jealousy hit Bree before she could see it coming. Oh, the woman said, her voice a classy purr. Actually, everything about her was classy, including her slim rose-colored top and shirt skirt. Her hair was so shiny, so perfect, that Bree raked her hand through her own messy locks before she could stop herself. What was wrong with her? With everything she was going on, the last thing she should care about was her appearance. The woman smiled and walked toward her. You must be Bree. Her smile stayed in place even when she eyed the pajamas. I'm glad they fit. They're yours? Bree asked. The woman nodded. Of course they were. This woman was girly, and she was also everything that Bree wasn't. Bree could see the love for her in Cad's eyes. Another pang of jealousy. Bree smoothed her hair down again before she could stop herself. I'm Darcy Ryland. The woman extended her hand for Bree to shake. Darcy is Nate's wife. Cad's wife. He's the cop. He's the cop at SAPD who's helping us with the investigation.
Cat had a funny expression on his face as if he knew that Bree had been jealous. Bree tossed him a scrowl. He gave her another funny look. I'm also the Silver Creep assistant DA and the mother of two toddlers who are waiting for me to bring them their favorite books and toys. Darcy checked her watch. And that means I should have already been out of here. Good to meet you, Bree. We'll chat more when things settle down. Good, good to meet you, too. <laughs> Bree mumbled. Darcy tipped her head to the plush sofa. I left you some other clothes, ones that aren't pink, toiletries too, and if you need anything else, just help yourself to my closet. Nate's in my quarters are in the west wing of the house. Just be careful not to trip over the toys if you go over there. Bree added a thanks and felt guilty about the unflattering girly thoughts and jealousy pangs. So Cat's sister-in-law was, well, nice despite her picture-perfect looks. Darcy walked back to Cat and picked up her purse from the table. The same motion, she kissed him on the cheek and then kissed Leah. Using her purse, she waved goodbye to Bree and glided out of the room on her gray heels that looked like torture devices to Bree. Bree didn't waste any time going to Leah. No blanket this morning. The baby was wearing a one-piece green outfit that was nearly the same color as her eyes. She also she was also wide awake and had those eyes aimed at Cad. Leah seemed to be studying his every move. I slept too long, Bree commented. She touched the, her fingers to Leah's cheek. The baby automatically turned in her direction. You should have woken me up sooner. Bree wondered if there was a time when that wouldn't seem like such a huge deal. She hoped not, because now everything seemed like a miracle, and just looking at her baby washed away all her dark thoughts and moods. You needed sleep, Cat insisted. When he didn't continue, Bree looked up at him, and she waited. Clearly, he had something on his mind, and thankfully, he didn't make her wait long to deliver the news. The doctor got back your lab results. That hung in the air like dead weight. Wait. Bree couldn't speak, couldn't ask the question that put her breath in her in a vice. Had the drugs permanently harmed Leo or her? You had a large amount of volume in your system. It caused the grogginess and the temporary memory lost. He paused. It was temporary, right? She nodded and felt relief. Well, partially. Any chance they gave me Valium when I was pregnant? It's hard to tell, but Leah's perfectly healthy. Cat assured her. I suspect because they wanted to use the baby for leverage. That they didn't do anything that would risk harming her. Good. That was something, at least. And with that concern out of the way, Bree could turn her full attention back to Leah. The doctor said any gaps in your memory should return. Cat explained. So it's possible you'll remember other details about your kidnappers. She had a dozen or more questions to ask Cat about the test results and an update on the case. But Bree couldn't get her attention off Leah. She had to be the most beautiful baby ever born. Or else Bree's brain had turned to mush. How is she this morning? Bree asked. Fine. Just, she just had her bottle. He motioned toward the empty one on the table. She felt a pang of a different kind. Bree wished she'd been awake to feed her, and she cursed the long sleep session that had caused her to miss all these incredible moments. How long before she'll want another one? Bree asked. Around one or two. He paused again. There's a problem, Cad said. Bree's gaze flew to his because she thought he was going to say that something was wrong with Leah. After all, she held her breath, praying it wasn't that. Late yesterday, Nate's detective at SAPD found the gunman who shot at us. Cadfin. He's dead. Bree groaned. So the problem wasn't with Leah, but it was still a big 
one. Please tell me he managed to make a confession before he died? Bree asked. Afraid not. His name was Clyde Cummings. We ID'd him from his prince since he had a long rap sheet. In and out of trouble with the law most of his life. Another pause. Word on the street is he was a hired gun. That didn't surprise Bree. Whoever had masterminded her kidnapping had no doubt hired this goon, a goon who would have success succeeded in killing her if Cat hadn't arrived in time to save her. Cummings didn't die in a shootout with the cops, Cad continued. When Nate's men found him, he was already dead. Cad paused again. He died from a single gunshot wound to the back of the head. Oh, mercy. An execution-style hit on a hitman. That meant someone didn't want Cummings talking to the cops. Or maybe this had been punishment for allowing Cad and her to get away. It didn't matter which. The bottom line was this case was far from being over. Bree looked at Leah and hated that Cad and she had to have a conversation like this in front of her. A baby deserved better, even if Leah was too young to know what they were saying. Still, she might be able to sense the tension in the room. Bree could certainly feel it, and it had her stomach turning and twisting. Since we don't know who hired Cummings, Cad went on. My sister-in-law and the kids are leaving town for a while. Darcy came back to pack some things. That gave Bree something else to be frustrated about. The monster after had no now managed to disrupt the entire Ryland family. Now all of them were in possible danger, and that included Cad's nephews and nieces. And niece. Cad ducked down a little so that they were eye to eye. I think it's a good idea if Leah goes with Darcy and the others. No. Nope flew out of her mouth before Bree could stop it, but she immediately hated her response and hated even more that she might have to take it back. I'm just getting to know her, Kit Bree mumbled when she kissed Leah's cheek as she'd seen Cad do. Each kiss, each moment was a gift that she didn't deserve but would take anyway. Bree pulled in a long breath and tried to push away the ache, but no. It was still there. It hurt her to the core to think of her daughter being whisked away when she only had a few real moments with her. It hurt even more, though, to know that Leah was in danger and would continue to be until Cad and she put an end to it. Whoever killed Cummings could hire someone else, Bree said, more to herself than Cad. She had to make her heart understand what her brain and instincts already knew. Her training and expertise forced her to see scenarios and outcomes that ripped away at her. Just where exactly is the safe place that the others and Leah could go? She asked. My other sister-in-law, Kayla, has a house in San Antonio. It's an estate with a high wrought iron fence and security system surrounding the entire grounds and, and house. SAPD will provide additional protection, plus Date and Nate would be with them. It sounded like a fortress, ideal for keeping her baby safe, safe but Bree... Knew that bad guys might still try to get through all those security measures. You could go, too. Cad quietly added, No. And this time, Bree wouldn't take back her response. Just the opposite. It was the only answer that made sense. Wherever I go, the danger will follow. I'm the one this person wants dead, and I don't want Leah anywhere around it. And when he hires another hitman to come after me... Cad didn't argue, because he knew it was the truth. The more distance between her baby and her, the better. Still, that didn't ease the ache that was quickly turning to a raw, throbbing pain. This is much harder than I thought it would be, 
Bree whispered. Cat only nodded, and she could see the agony in his icy gray eyes. So much emotion that it prompted Bree to touch her fingertips to his arm. She wasn't big on providing comfort in her job had required her not to sympathize with anything or anybody, but she and Cat shared this heartbreak. When would Leah have to go to Kayla's house? Yes. Cat lifted his shoulder and sank down on the sofa. Soon. This morning, he clarified. But maybe it wouldn't be for long. Maybe, and it may be, you'd be far longer than Bree's heart could handle. An uncomfortable silence settled between them, and Bree eased down on the sofa right next to him. She waited, hoping it wasn't long before Cat sighed and placed the baby in her arms. It was far better than anything else he could have done. It soothed her and frightened her. It filled her with a hundred emotions that she didn't understand, but even that seemed trivial. She was holding her baby, and it was breaking her into pieces. Until this moment, she hadn't realized she could love someone this much, or hurt this much, because she might lose her, even only for a day or two. What are we gonna do? Bree said under her breath. When Cat didn't answer, she looked at him and saw his jaw muscles set in iron. Handsome iron, she admitted, because his good looks weren't diminished by his surly expression of the possible impending danger. Again, she blamed it on their shared situation and on the close contact between them. After all, they were arm to arm, hip to hip, breath to breath, except she doubted Cad was thinking about the close contact in a good way. That expression let her know that he hadn't told her everything, and that the part that he had left out was something that would only add to the pain she was already feeling. Okay, what's wrong? Breed demanded. He didn't answer right away. He mulled over his answer. I'm not giving up, Leah. For a moment, she thought he meant that he changed his mind about the baby going to San Antonio Estate, but then she got it. Oh, yeah. She got it all right. Cat had, physical, Cat had physical custody of Leah since she was just a few days old. Plus, he had something that Bria didn't. A home. A supportive family and money from the looks of it. There was also the fact that he had a strong ties in the community. That meant, that meant ties with people who could help him keep custody of their child. Still, that was just one side of it. I'm her mother, Bria said when she couldn't think of another argument. Certainly wasn't a good one, and it didn't mean she had what it took to raise a child, but the only side was but the other side was that she loved this child with all her heart kind of and I'm her father. Frustrated, she stared up. Does this mean we're at some kind of stalemate? No. That's all he said for several moments. It means we have some things to work out. Things that will be in Leah's best interest. Bree could see where this was going, and she didn't like the direction one bit. You think you can be a better parent than me? He didn't deny it. She couldn't deny it either. He certainly looked at ease with Leah. So did the other members of his family that she met. Leah was a Ryland, but she was Bree's baby too. Bree helped. I'm not just giving her up either. Even though it didn't make any logical sense, it made sense to her as a mother. Yes, it was a new role, new feelings, new everything. But it was a role she would embrace with as much devotion and love as she had of her badge. Cat didn't huff, but he mumbled something on his breath. Be reasonable about this. You're Jan, for heaven's sake. Re jumped right on that. And I can become a regular agent like you.
in the past. That would have caused her to wince or laugh because she had thought a regular job would be a boring death sentence. But she wasn't wincing or laughing now. In fact, she was on the verge of crying at the thought of losing this child that she hardly knew. With those iron jaw muscles still in place, Cat leaned forward and picked up the little silver object from the table. Bree recognized the design. It was the same as the tattoo on his shoulder. He began to roll it like a coin across his fingers. Maybe as a stress reliever. Maybe so he wouldn't have to look at her. Whatever it was worked. Well, for Cad, Bree didn't think anything could relieve her stress, but she shoved that aside and tried to reach a solution, even a temporary one. She sure needed something to get her through this morning. We only have a few hours to spend with Leah before she leaves, Bree conceded. We can table this discussion until after. Well, after, she settled for saying. Crusher refused to admit this could end badly. The stakes were too high Later than Cat agreed. He looked back at her. His expression let her know that later than wasn't going to happen immediately. There aren't a lot of rules for situations like this. We don't know each other very well. He kept rolling the conjure. In fact, I don't know much about you at all. It wasn't a it wasn't a gruff or barked observation. It was it was conversation, that's all. And he had genuine concern in his voice. Bree knew this could turn ugly, but since he was trying to make nice, she tried to. Bree is my real name, Bree Ann Winston. I'm 29. She paused for him. Wait, what's the date? He glanced at his word. June 14th. That required a deep breath. Okay, I'm 30. She missed a pitiful birthday by two months. Ironically, it had been a birthday that she'd been dreading, since many Janes didn't last after their th mid-thirties. They were either dead or moving to a regular agent position. However, after the ordeal she'd just been through, turning 30 didn't seem so bad, after all. Both of my parents are dead. She continued, addressing another touchy subject. They were killed in a meth lab explosion when I was nine. Let's just say they weren't stellar parents, and leave it at that. I spent the rest of my so-called childhood in foster care. Hellish foster care that she didn't discuss, ever, with anyone. Bree took another deep breath. She hadn't intended to confess all of that dirty laundry, but she figured this was a good time to keep secrets. Wasn't a good time to keep secrets. Besides, if it came down to a custody fight with Cad, he'd find out anyway. Cad would learn that prior to becoming an FBI agent, she'd been a mess. A juvenile record for underage drinking, truancy, and running away from foster care, especially that. Bree had lost count of how many times she'd run. In fact, she'd always ran when things got tough, or rather she had. She wouldn't run now. So there's the dirt on me, she concluded. Nothing like your life, I'm sure. He made a sound that could have meant anything and followed it with a deep breath to indicate it was his turn to spill his guts. I'm Cad Jason Ryland, age 31, and I've lived here at this ranch my entire life. Wouldn't want to live anywhere else. She could see him here as a little boy, learning to ride those magnificent horses that she'd seen in the painting in the foyer, running through the sprawling house surrounded by older brothers and other family who loved him the way Bree loved Leah. It was so far from what she expected as a kid that it seemed like a fantasy. Cat's next deep breath came with a change of expression. His forehead bunched up and he dodged her gaze. When I was ten, my grandfather was murdered. He was a sheriff then, and well... I was close to him. All of us were. It was gunned down by an unknown assailant, and the case has never been solved. I'm 
sorry. That was genuine. An injustice like that ate away at her, obviously. That's what it done to Cad. She could see the hurt still there in his eyes. He shrugged. She saw the shield come down. He was guarding himself now. Bree knew because she was a master of doing it. A few days after my grandfather was murdered, my father gave me and my five brothers a custom-made silver concho. He held it up to her, up for her to see. That was nice of him, though there was something about his tone. It was a guilt gift. Cat didn't continue until he taken Leah from her and put the baby in the carrier seat. In the carrier seat on the table in front. After that, my father walked down on us. My mother killed herself because she was severely depressed. My older brother Grayson had to forego college, life, and everything else so he could raise all of us and keep the ranch going. Cad Mattery, so there's the dirt on me. Okay, Bree hadn't expected anything other than a fairy tale family story to do with the idyllic family ranch, but that was more of a nightmare. The sympathetic sympathy came and it didn't feel as foreign as to her as she thought it would. I'm sorry, she repeated. He whimpered, yeah, I'm sorry about your life too. It was the first time she ever remembered anyone saying that and really meaning it. And much to her surprise, it felt good. Too good. It set off more warnings in her head. Her motto, don't trust anyone, was slowly becoming, being chipped away by Cad. She looked up at him to thank him, not just for the real sympathy, but also for taking care of their baby when she hadn't been around to do it. Cad looked at her, too, and her thank you died on her lips when he put his arm around her and pulled her to him. We have to be together on this, he whispered. Wasn't exactly the kiss that she'd braced herself for, just the opposite. He was holding her as if he was trying to comfort her. His arms were warm and strong, so welcoming. Of course, she'd been in his arms before. At the fertility clinic, she'd been naked then. Cat had too, and his body had definitely given her dreams and food for thought. Not now, of course. Bree wanted to believe that. <sighs> too bad those memories warmed her from far more than they should have. It had been a job, she reminded herself. That job was over now. Cat's naked body was just a memory, and it had to stay that way. Bree wanted to believe that, too. He pulled back matter gaze. His breath was warm as well, and he moved closer. Closer! Until his mouth brushed against hers. Bree tried to brace herself again, but what she didn't do was move away. I'd kiss you, he drawled. But we both know... That'd be a bad idea. She was about to agree with him, but Cad leaned in and touched his mouth to hers again. Still not a kiss, but it heated her as thoroughly as if it had been one. A bad idea, she repeated. Mercy. She sounded like a wimp, and she still wasn't moving. Bree could see what was happening, like a big train wreck, except this was a wreck that her body was aching to experience. What would a real kiss feel like with Cad? Big ones had been amazingly potent. That she figured a real one would pretty much melt her into a puddle. But he mumbled without taking his eyes off her. Bree could see a kiss coming, could feel it, and she heard herself say, Uh-huh, a split second before Cad snapped away from her. Okay, no kiss. After all, she didn't know who looked more disappointed or more confused. Cad or her. He cursed some real bad words. And Bree thought that was it. 
the end of the possible lethal kiss, but then he came back at her. He grabbed her, put his mouth on hers, and it wasn't for just a peck this time. This was a Cadrylin kiss. Yes, this was so different from the fake ones, and they weren't even naked to enjoy the full benefits. Still, there were benefits. His mouth moved over hers as if he'd been born to kiss her like like this. The heat washed through her head to toe. It cleared the haze and fogginess from her mind. Well, created some haze of a different kind. Her body was suddenly on fire from one blasted kiss how could he do that to her body how could he dissolve all her defenses and make her want him like this brie wasn't sure she wanted to know the answer but she wasn't certain that she wanted the kiss to continue and it couldn't for one thing leah was in the room for another neither cad nor she was in a good place for this to be happening still she wasn't the one to stop cad did later much later after her body cooled down she might actually thank him for it so he pulled back dragged his tongue over his bottom lip and made a sound of approval or something whatever the sound it went through her as fiery hot as the kiss brie didn't ask for clarification on what that sound meant she didn't need it that kiss had held up to the fantasy she'd had after those naked fake kisses at the clinic i'm sorry cad said she didn't have time to repeat that lie to him because someone cleared their throat both brie and cad turned toward the open doorway it was mason and he obviously hadn't missed the close contact between them he didn't look too pleased about it either but then he hadn't looked pleased about much since he arrived you got a visitor mason said his attention landing on her as a randy cooper coop the very person that she should have called by now jeez how could she have forgotten that but then brie remembered sleep baby and kisses yes that had really that had really eaten into her time but she had to get her mind back on track she had to think like an agent because that was the best way to keep her baby safe i had him wait on the front porch mason played just in case you didn't want to see him oh she wanted to see him all right she turned to cat i need to change my clothes but if i don't talk to my boss while wearing these pink pjs he nodded picked up leah in the infant carrier mason can watch leah Meet me downstairs in the living room after you've changed. There's more, Mason said. Let's stop both Cat and her misstep. Midstep. Somebody else called the sheriff's office and left a message for you. And it's a call I think you'll need to return before you speak to Agent Cooper. Bree shook her head, not understanding that remark. Who wants to talk to us? She asked cautiously. Do you, Mason corrected, staring right at her. That's Anthony McClendon and... One of their suspects, she glanced at Cad, wondering if he knew why Anthony would be calling her, but he only lifted his shoulder. What does he want? Cad demanded. Apparently a lot. He's either lying through his teeth or else you should rethink seeing Agent Cooper. That's why I left him on the porch and locked the front door. I'll reset the security alarm, too. Bree lifted her shoulder. Why would you take those kind of measures for a federal officer, she added. And why would you listen to a piece of scum like Anthony McClendenin? It was Mason's furniture. Because he says he has proof that Coop is dirty. Proof. Cat challenge, Mason done. Oh, yeah. And he says he's also got evidence that Cooper is the one who wants Bree dead. End of chapter 6.